You're listening to Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Only minutes removed from the chaos of first take. I'm not going to lie. We ran across the studio in Seaport just as the TV broadcast ended to come and tell you that I think everything is done for the Lakers. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz were presented by Progressive Insurance. And uh, all kidding aside, before we get into anything, the very first thing that I want to say, Harry, is uh, it was a blast, and I really appreciate you Let me hang out with you on first take. We appreciate first take letting us have a takeover today. Fitz and Harry. Uh, was able to come in and do a little first take fun. We were able to bring a bunch of elements from our show and really represent uh, life, the life that we live together every single day on this show. It was an honor to get to debate you. It was an honor to yell at you. And it was an honor to be right against you hour after hour (laughs) after hour. No, we had a lot of fun, man. And um, I hope we get to do it again because I love your takes and I love how strong that you are on them. And you don't go, you don't stray away from it. Right, but you also have you know the facts to back up what you're saying, and that's very pivotal when you're going on shows like First Take. You just don't want to be all over the place and saying any and everything. So I thought you did a great job. Right? Although I will say that Legs may have called me out at one point. Uh, what did he say? Hedging my bet. But look, I was it, like, it was my fault though because I was like, uh, but dude, then block A. You said, oh yeah. So yeah. I kind of set, I set you up. I set uh, you up. Harry, <laughs> like I knew yeah, Harry was like, I, I'm gonna ask you a question. Like we had the whole block pop planned out uh, debating. Uh, I said early in the show that uh, I'm out on the Lakers. And and I'll tell you why in just a second for us, obviously. And then later in the show, which team's the most dangerous in the, in California? And I was like, well, the Lakers. And Harry suddenly is like, um. And next thing you know, <laughs> Legs and Harry are just like, it was like two-on-one in a boxing match, and I did not fare well. It was uh, Legs was at least kind in that process. But I was like, hey, you know, there's nuance to the conversation, trying to hide it there. And Legs just said, no, it's called hedging your, your bet. So uh, I was called on it. But that conversation comes on the heels of what we saw last night, yep. which is the Lakers in a game that we knew their desperation. We knew they were going to have to have it. You said yesterday that it's go time, and you know, realistically, it was. Anthony Davis and LeBron James both played in that game. LeBron puts up three in the first half, 30 in a just a Herculean effort in the second half, just efforting the Lakers back into the game. But the fact is, at the worst time possible, the Lakers have now lost back-to-back games, and suddenly this conversation about how far they can go in the West looks a little different because the Lakers have put themselves yet again in a tough situation when it comes to the playoffs, to the Western Conference, to how it could all play out. Yeah, Fitz, you look at the game last night. I just thought the Lakers didn't have an answer for Kawhi Leonard. He was efficient, hit four threes. Also, Russell Westbrook, who you know was looking at that game, waiting to play against the Los Angeles Lakers. He came out hitting shots. He hit two threes, had 14 points. Uh, Zubak, the center in the middle, he kind of had his way because of the defense was being broke down. Norman Powell, every time he seen Austin Reeves on him, he was taking him to the rack. He had 17 in that game and was very, very efficient getting to the free throw line, but also dishing it off to the big man Zubak in the middle who was who was uh, able to, to put it back down and score points. So collectively – this is the 11th win that the Los Angeles Clippers have gotten over the Los Angeles Lakers. And I pose a question. Who is the team in L.A.? Is it, is it, is it, is it the Lakers or is it the Clippers? Because if we're just going by how often the Clippers have beat the Lakers, I don't know if you can say the Lakers. And I understand LeBron is LeBron and AD is AD, but 11 games in a row is a lot, Fitz. It's not two, it's not three. 11 is a lot of games that you've beaten an opponent in a row. And that's why I sit here and think about the playoffs and so much of the conversation we're having about how the West stacks out. Well, I already believed that, you know, Phoenix, for example, was a better team. I found myself watching last night saying, man, 
like the Clippers are a better team right now than the Lakers. And 11 straight wins has to mean something. The Clippers find themselves now possibly in the five seed. As it stands right now, they, are, they yep. would be the five seed, and they would get that five seed over Golden State, right? So all of a sudden, we're looking at this, this packed Golden State portion. not complaining, though. Uh, Oh, no. (laughs) I see, because for anyone that's not paying attention to the standings right now, uh, Golden State finishing in the sixth seed would help them avoid one Phoenix, right? Like, nobody wants to play Phoenix who's sitting in the fourth seed uh, as it stands. But I'm looking at the Lakers saying, well, I don't believe that the Lakers today are are better than the Clippers. I don't believe that the Lakers today are uh, better than uh, the – I don't believe the Lakers are better than – as one of our computers is going off, my fault. Uh, I don't believe the Lakers are are better than the Suns. I don't believe that the Lakers are better than the Grizzlies. I don't – Really think the Lakers are better than the Nuggets, other than the fact that we haven't seen the Nuggets finally get it done. That's why it's not necessarily just about where are the Lakers. Part of it's about where's the rest of the West, right? And the rest of the West looks like they're better right now. Well, here's the thing about the Lakers that, you know, they're in the spot right now where they're the seventh seed. And you kind of wanted to avoid that so you can solidify a five or six seed so you can possibly have some rest before you go into the first round of the playoffs. But if it doesn't work out that way, now you got to play more games. And Anthony Davis and LeBron James, those guys, don't, they aren't able to get that rest that you would do me to have. Now, when you look at the top three seeds, right, you look at the Denver Nuggets. Well, the Denver Nuggets in the month of March, and I understand this is April, but the Denver Nuggets in the month of March are 7-7, seven and seven, right? They have losses against, I think, the Spurs, the Bulls, just opponents that you wouldn't think that the Denver Nuggets with Nikola Jokic, the, you know, a guy, two-time, you know, reigning MVP winner, a guy who's up for a third one, that they wouldn't have. You look at the Memphis Grizzlies in this season, the, the, the Los Angeles Lakers, they're one and two versus the Grizzlies. If you run into a Grizzlies team where, you know, Desmond Bain isn't hitting the threes mm-hmm. and they're getting cold from the outside of Jerry Jackson Jr., who I'm very fond of as a player, but he can't stay out of foul trouble, do you like your chances if you're the Lakers? One of the teams I don't think they like their chances against is the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns was a, were, were a bad matchup for the Los Angeles Lakers because of a guy named Kevin Durant and the way Devin Booker can shoot the basketball. But also you have a guy in DeAndre Ayton who, who can kind of, you know, be a defensive guy in the middle. So do, is it possible that they can get out of the first round? Yes. Would I put money on it and bet it? Hell no. Well, and, not, not at all. And I think a lot of what you said, look, I think well, let's both just agree. They were putting the Suns in a different category. Nobody wants to face the Suns at, at any point, yep. right? Like putting the Suns in a different category. What's interesting when you mention the Nuggets particularly is that not only are they not playing well, but Jokic hasn't been healthy, and now that he is back, he doesn't look right. So that almost feeds like the stereotypes. You know what I mean? Yep. Like we have a, a, a concept on who the Nuggets are, and that's being fed right now because they're not playing great. And because they're not playing great and their leader doesn't look like the MVP. Like, let's be clear here. Jokic has played himself out of the MVP conversation as much as Embiid has played himself into it, right? Part of it is the greatness of what Embiid's done, and I'm not taking anything away from that. But Jokic has sure as heck made that, that path easier, right? Like he's well, made Especially the- recently with the game that he had 14 points, I think it was 10 rebounds and 8 turnovers in a loss to the Houston Rockets, one of the worst teams in the NBA right now. So when we're all sitting around and we're like, I don't know, I really got to see it from Denver, and what we're seeing is hot garbage from Denver. Like, it just it feeds that. So I understand that portion of it. I think the hardest part for the Lakers is that they just haven't all year been able to get it sustainably. It's like one step forward, two steps back, right? Yeah. And, you know, I want to be clear, obviously. By the way, Fitz and Harry coming to you live from above the Heineken River deck at Pier 17. LeBron said this about last night and the schedule. You know, getting back, you know, late last night, but after an overtime game and uh, 
you know, it was a tough game for us. Obviously, we started off in the first half, not so playing Laker basketball. We had some good spurts, but uh, not enough. So this is one of those uh, uh, those scheduling conflicts, you know, in the season. <laughs> and uh, definitely got the best of us tonight. It's just not, though. I mean, I know it is a scheduling conflict, but part of the reason last night's loss hurt so much is that they lost the night before to the Jazz. Part of the reason that they had to play everybody last night. Put them away. Like, Put the Jazz away so you're not in the situation. Win the game of regulation. Now, I, I, and, I, and I get it, Fitz. I get it. Like, it's a back-to-back. You win in overtime, had to play extra five minutes, had to exert more energy. But don't put yourself in that situation if you're LeBron James, if you're Anthony Davis. Right. Don't put yourself in that situation. It is. It, it took them so long to put them away. And you're right. I misspoke. They, they beat them in overtime. It took so long for that to happen. And then I just look back to January, February, December. Like At times when we think that the games don't matter, they do. Right? And it, it plays its head now. Like last night, they needed the back half of a back-to-back. You, well, you, you, know, you know another game I'll bring up? Remember that Houston game that the Lakers lost and AD didn't play that back-to-back? I would have rather Anthony Davis played that back-to-back versus Houston than playing the back-to-back versus the Lakers. Now, f- take the competitive standpoint out of it. But if I'm seeing a Houston team that's struggling, I'm going to let Anthony Davis play in that one so we can probably assure a win versus letting them sit out and opening the door for Houston. Yeah, it, it's it's a season of regrets. We'll keep breaking it down. They're not the only team that's sitting around trying to figure it all out. One of the NBA's biggest duos can't get it figured out. The question is, Will they get enough time now? We'll answer that next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. All right, yesterday we did a bunch of Masters updates. This one's a little more chaotic. Evan, I need your best cat. Evan is our live Masters correspondent. He is coming to you directly from the studio where they have a TV screen that's showing him Augusta. Evan, from the studio watching Augusta, what's happening with Tiger? Yeah, so not a great start for El Tigre. Uh, he parred the first two holes, and then he bogeyed three, he bogeyed five, and he bogeyed seven. So the odd number holes not working out well for him. He is on a par five here on the eighth hole. He's about to hit his second shot. He's plus three. So a chance here for him to get one ba- one stroke back, but he is three over, and he is six shots back at the leaders. Okay, uh, what did you call him again? El Tigre. Hey. Can somebody clip that off the for the tiger. best of this week? You, you, I mean, you know what's I, funny? I, that's I like one of his nicknames. It. Well, one yeah, of many. Oh, no, okay. I had, I had a the teammate in, uh, in college named uh, Tiger Jones, and we used to call him Tigre. See, here's the thing, Evan, that I've learned in life, and, and I, I know you know this too. When you say, Harry, you, you say his nickname, what was his nickname again? Tigre. Sounds cool. When I say El Tigre, it does his <laughs> El Tigre. Uh, you, you go ahead, Evan. You, you give us your best tiger. Uh, El Tigre. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> It doesn't hit the same way. Like, I feel like if we were on the playground, like Harry and I are in Seaport, if afterwards, you know, we go to the hotel, we put on some basketball shorts, and we're walking up, and I walk up to somebody on the court, and, you know, he's playing on the, on the playground out on the streets, and he's like, hey, man, my name's Tigre. And I'm like, what's up, El Tigre? I'm never getting the ball. Like, I'm never getting the ball. It's a culture thing. Yeah, I can't give you the ball. It's a, it- <laughs> I'm shooting every damn shot. <laughs> I'm ball hogging from that moment on. <laughs> Harry's like, somebody just let my boy Fitz sit over on the side. Like, he'll, he'll bring us water. Unless you uh, show me some skills like yeah. Woody Harrison and like white man can't jump. Man. We all know that's not happening. You need Devin for that. Devin will give you all those skills. See, Devin can say El Tigre, and it probably sounds cool. Evan and I cannot say El Tigre. I'm the first to admit it. Uh, Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. 
benefits. We will keep you updated on everything that El Tigre does throughout the course of the day uh, at beautiful uh, Augusta as he is taking part in the Masters. If there's a general Masters update that's worthy of it, we'll also give that to you. You can watch it all day on ESPN and in the ESPN app. In the meantime, we were watching the NBA last night. We talked a lot about it this morning on First Take, but it's interesting that uh, Mark Cuban uh, said about Kyrie Irving. This is the quote. I want him to stay. Asked if he's a max player. Cuban said, I'm not going to negotiate with you. He does say that Kyrie and re-signing Kyrie is the Mavs' top priority. Quote, I'd love him to stay for sure. I'd love to have him. I want him to stay for sure, and I think we have a good shot. I think he's, he's happy here. He tells me he's happier, and I get along great with him. I think he's a good guy. All I can tell you is everything I thought I knew about Kyrie because of everything I read was 100% wrong. So Mark Cuban coming out with strong statements about Kyrie which is important in part of this because obviously the owner wants to make the player feel loved here, Harry, but I don't feel in love with what we're seeing on the court. So, like, this is a weird moment where is the marriage between Kyrie and Luka really worth the investment that Mark Cuban will have to make? Well, here's the thing about the the Dallas Mavericks, right? If you look at them from a, a team, a broader spectrum first, right, as a team, we understand what Luka Doncic is and we understand what Kyrie Irving is. Those guys are two of the best individual scorers that this game would ever see, right? There's no there's no question about that. But what you do have defensively is two guys that lack the ability to step up on the defensive end and give you, you know, give you tenacity from that from from those spots, both of those guys. Right? So it puts your team in a bad spot. And then you trade it away, Spencer Dinwiddie and also Dorian Finney Smith. Now also what you get with Kyrie and Luca, two guys who can score the basketball at will, you get those guys with the basketball in their hand probably a lot. Ball dominant. So the assist isn't going to be up, even though you would probably think it would, with the attention that those two guys are going to draw. Now, you also look at, you know, what Lucas said recently, and he's not having fun. The game isn't fun anymore. And, you know, how much he missed, you know, um, Jalen Brunson. Uh, I just think those are bad things when it comes to a guy like Kyrie. But if you look at the market, when Kyrie becomes a free, uh, free agent, is there a market for Kyrie? And I think that might end up being the deciding factor in if Kyrie is back there from his standpoint, from Kyrie's standpoint on things. Because if the market isn't what Kyrie expects it to be and wants it to be, then he might end up back in Dallas again. But you point this, you pointed this out on numerous of occasions. When you look at a state like Texas, right? Number one, you don't have no state tax. That's phenomenal. Uh, outstanding in those regards. You look at a guy in Kyrie Irving who isn't vaccinated versus being in a state like New York or being somewhere like uh, L.A. where a lot of people are probably going to chastise you from not being that, whether it's, you know, whether it's right or wrong. You don't have to worry about that in the state of Texas. People are just going to let you play ball. You can go about your business. But is he happy? Because Kyrie Irving is accustomed to being in the playoffs and competing at a high level, even if they haven't got, you know, when he was with the Boston Celtics or with the Brooklyn Nets, if they haven't got to the place they wanted to be, he's used to competing and being there in the playoffs. And Dallas Mavericks, they're, they're fighting to get into that right now. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because I think you're right. Personally, he can sort of stay under, out of the spotlight a little bit in Dallas, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, Dallas, everybody's going to walk up and say, hey, but Dallas isn't going to bother him, right? Like in no. L.A., he's going to have paparazzi everywhere. In New York, he's going to get followed everywhere. Like these are the things that happen. He's going to be overanalyzed in most markets. He won't. So from a personality, it makes sense. The question is, together on the court, will more time help them? Because so far it hasn't been good. Now, Tim Legler, who we spent time with this morning on First Take, was passionate about that on the 7 a.m. Sports Center, our ESPN NBA analyst, when he talked about why he doesn't think Luke and Kyrie work together at all. I don't really necessarily think that they fit 
that great together offensively either, David, because I think both guys play a particular style that's independent of the other. I don't know that they necessarily complement each other. I don't know that there's a lot of leadership in that locker room or on the court with those two players. So I'm not I'm not a, a big believer that this is going to work going forward. I just don't think the Mavericks have much of a choice when you look at these teams in the West and how most of them have multiple All-Stars. I don't know that Dallas can go in any other direction. Let's keep our fingers crossed that it does work out. But I'm not I'm very skeptical at this point. I think he makes a good point. Like Dallas is stuck. If you don't have Kyrie, then who's your other you know, who's your other superstar? You're not winning the West, not just this year, but for the next several years. You are not winning the West unless you have guys, right? So Luka's one of those, but you're going to have to have more around him. Now, we've seen Luka almost single-handedly de- deliver a conference uh, or a finals trip, right? Like, we've seen greatness from Luka, but you're going to have to have somebody. So, like, at, at some point, they kind of have to find a way to work it out. Like, it feels like there is, it's inevitable for them. They have to. Well, here's the funny thing, because on the airplane riding up to New York last night, I was watching, you know, Kendrick Perkins and Malika uh, Andrews and also Stephen A. And one of the things that Kendrick Perkins brought up when it came to Luka, are we sure Luka truly wants to stay in Dallas? Because, and one of the things he pointed out is because in this new generation, guys aren't loyal to their, to, to their, to their organizations that drafted them. And he said, everyone's not dirt and whiskey. Everyone's not just going to stay there and be a homegrown guy. That's not the way the, way the NBA works today. So are we even sure Luka is going to be a Dallas Maverick for the rest of his career? That is a nightmare scenario for the Mavs to try and figure out. We'll keep breaking it down for you all day. You guys can chime in on a 2 say espn 888-729-3776. In the meantime, we'll get back to the NBA. A lot of news happening out of the association last night. But coming up. Two NFL teams were rebuilding at the same time. So why is one rebuild so much further along than the other? We'll answer that next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio in the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. All right, it's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And, uh, look, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm a little thrown off, a little thrown off. I just uh, I just spilled water all over my shirt. This is why I can't drink water while I'm on air. Like, they were nice enough in studio to get me a water. All I did was open it. I opened the water, and it has gone all over. Like, and now it looks like I have not only spilled water on my chest, but I've also tinkled all over myself. That's what it looks like in studio. Seaport at this point is, is they realize I'm not a professional. Well, the restroom is right down the hall. Okay. Well, you know, I, I didn't want to take that time. I didn't want to be away from you that long. <laughs> oh, so you're like the guy at the slot machine that doesn't want to get up because he's fe- feeding that slot machine oh my God. money all day long. I, there, there are videos out <laughs> all over the place now, like on TikTok of this, and I'm like, I'm disgusted. As, as a Vegas fanatic, I'm now disgusted. I can't imagine how many people uh, sit there and tinkle. All right, so we know that the the ceiling for me is being on first take, and we know the floor for me is spilling water all over myself like a child. Uh, let's have a little bit of fun with ceiling and floors in the NFL. Oh, Harry, we're starting with the Chicago Bears, who should have been picking first overall in the draft, but they've already traded that pick away. So the question becomes, how good can the Bears be? How bad could it go? I'm going to go ceiling for the Chicago Bears. I'm going to go wild card, right? Because I do believe that the Detroit Lions can and, – and that's and that's stretching it. I'm yeah. being honest. That's, that's stretching it. And I think the Lions are going to win that division. I think the floor for them can be four or five games. 
Now, I do believe this team is going to be better in the future. They're just in that transition stage. I like a lot of the pieces that they brought over defensive at the linebacker position, Tremaine Edmonds from the Buffalo Bills, also T.J. Edwards coming from the Philadelphia Eagles, two guys that understand what winning means and how to win in the National Football League. I also love the trade. Love the trade. Getting out of the number one pick, trading it to Carolina, getting DJ Moore, getting Justin Fields, a number one wide receiver, and also in free agency, bringing over Robert Tunyon from the Green Bay Packers. Now you have two solid tight ends, adding Tunyon to Cole Komet. You look at the wide receiver position now with Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney, those three guys. And then you'll have Village Jones, who is a speedster, played at Tennessee uh, two years ago. Uh, it's starting to shape up really, really well. Now, here's the thing when it comes to the Chicago Bears. I think offensive line is key. Offensive line is going to be the most important thing, and I know that's another position that they're going to attack draft-wise and also can still bring more guys in free agency. So offensive line, defensive line, two of the spots that I think the Bears need to focus on moving forward. I feel like in their own division, the Lions are a better team. The Vikings, I think, could be a better team, but neither of us necessarily love the Vikings. Um, I, I feel like the Packers with Jordan Love could obviously take a step back this year. Then you start looking at the rest of their schedule, their home games against the Cardinals, who are going to be bad, the Broncos, who I don't believe in, the Raiders, who are going to be bad, the Panthers, who may or may not be good, and the Falcons, who you think are going to be very good this year. Oh, yes. But I'm still stacking a lot of wins that way. Their road schedule includes games against the Saints, Bucks, Commanders, Browns. Like Those are some winnable football games. So I'm looking at their schedule combined with the fact that they're going to be better. They feel like, to me, they're probably a seven, eight win football team. You know, that somewhere in that range. The the floor for them is probably six and the ceiling is nine. It's somewhere in that yeah. range for me. I think I think the Bears take a huge leap forward. And also, I think that we're talking about Justin Fields much different right now, a year from now, than we are today. Like uh, right now there's a lot of Jalen Hurts similarities. Like we're waiting to see him take that next step. Yep. I get another year in that system, I like his opportunity to take that next step. All right, let's see who we got next on our ceiling and floor exercise. Oh, this was a heated argument today on Fitz and Harry on yes, first take this yes, morning. Fitz and Harry, Harry yes. Douglas, Jason Fitz. The ceiling for the New York Jets. I'm going to go I'm gonna go AFC championship game, even though I feel like, you know, if they add an Odell Beckham Jr., if Aaron Rodgers and the trade goes through, that they can be a Super Bowl contender. But I'm gonna go AFC championship game because you gotta crawl before you walk. They haven't been to the playoffs in a very, very long time. But I do believe if they get those two guys, that they're going to win their division. Now, I understand we had a little, you know, exchange Ooh, about that this morning on Thursday. But I think the floor for them would be wild card. I do believe they're going to the playoffs this year. I look at games that they lost last year in which they couldn't score points because you didn't have competent play from the quarterback position. You're adding in a Hall of Famer, a guy that's won four MVPs, that has a Super Bowl on his resume. If Aaron Rodgers, I think, is half, of what the Jets quarterbacks were last year, they're going to be better as a football team, way better. And I also like the addition, uh, skill position players that they're adding to it. Can I give you the most controversial answer in history here? Talk to me. I think the floor and the ceiling are the same. They're a wild card team either way to me. If things break great for them, they're an 11-12 win wild card team because I still think Buffalo's a 13-win football team. If things break wrong for them, they're they're a 10-win wild card team. Like, yeah, I'm all in on Buffalo being great. I think Buffalo's a, the look I'm getting right now. If we were still on first day, like all of a sudden, the look I am getting right now from Harry. Harry's pulling out his notes. But, but, because, but here's, here's why I don't think Buffalo's a 13-win football team. This division has to play the AFC West and also the NFC East. We've seen three teams last year for the NFC East 
make the playoffs. When you look at the AFC West, you have Patrick Mahomes. You also have Justin Herbert. Now, I don't believe in the Raiders, and I don't believe in the Broncos. Now, on top of it, because of the Buffalo Bills winning, they have to play additionally the Jacksonville Jaguars, who's an up-and-coming team and only getting better. They have to play the Cincinnati Bengals, who went into their home stadium and beat them where previously they were undefeated with Josh Allen at the quarterback position. So that's why I think those extra two games versus – you know, the Jaguars and also the Bengals could decide a lot of things. Now, when you look at the Jets, they don't have to play the Jaguars or the Bengals. They got to play all the, the AFC West and the NFC East, but they don't have to play the Jags and the Bengals. Here's where I think the Bills get lucky, right? The Bills got lucky that if you look at their schedule, their away games, yeah, they got Cincinnati and Kansas City away. That's not lucky. But their home games, they get the Jags, they get Miami, they get the Cowboys, they get all of those teams. In Buffalo. But it's all about when they play them. Oh, yeah. If, no, if, it's, no if it's late November, December, they're done, great yeah, for yeah. Buffalo. I mean, <laughs> I'm like, two is going to just walk in and be like, nope, I'm good. I'm all set. Uh, all set, thanks. You guys go ahead and play this game. I'll just take this one off. I, I think uh, there, is, there is some element of that. For me, I think the floor and the ceiling for the Jets are the same because realistically with Aaron Rodgers and probably Odell Beckham Jr., they're a playoff team. And I think they're a really good playoff team. Are they better than Cincinnati week in and week out? Are they better than Buffalo? Are they better than Kansas City? To me, no. So they're, they're somewhere in that. Uh, and I don't know what to make of Jacksonville. We'll get to Jacksonville later. I don't know if Jacksonville is going to continue this meteoric leap. Yeah. You know, So I feel like right now they're either the top wild card and teams are going through New York or the, the floor of them is that you know, the Chargers ascend and they're the second or third wild card. So Well, here's the, here's the thing about the Jets. They were able to beat Buffalo with Zach Stankin Wilson last season and had an opportunity to go tie the game up with the last possession with Mike White at the quarterback position. Now you're piecing over Aaron Rodgers in that spot. You're adding Alan Lazard to go with Garrett Wilson, also Odell Beckham Jr. Because I know a lot of people on social media, oh, Odell Beckham Jr. is washed. We're not asking Odell Be- Beckham Jr. to come in here and, 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 and catch for 1,500 yards. That's Garrett Wilson's job. Mm-hmm. Alan no, Lazard right. going to pick up some more slack, too. Miko Hartman going to be added to that as well. Brees Hall is going to run the football. You know what I mean? Now, the Jets, they do have to assure up their offensive line more. And I think with the 13th pick, that's where they have to go along with other picks in the draft as well. Or they could just go quarterback at the 13th overall pick and protect oh, themselves goodness. in case Aaron Rodgers takes – okay, I'm kidding. I'm not. kidding. I'm just trolling the greedies of the world. They I'm sorry. Not. I'm sorry. They're going to go offensive line. Uh, all right. We'll, uh, every day we're bringing you a different ceiling and the floor. And by the way – not only are you listening to us live right now on ESPN Radio, but, you know. If you're the watching, same conversation we're having right now, we're, <laughs> we're watching ourselves on first take, first and I'm take making right crazy now. facial expressions. It's on, the, it's on the camera. It's on the TV in the studio, the replay of first take this morning, where it says beckoning Beckham. I got to say, they did a nice job with the graphics this morning. They kept yeah. putting here from Harry. I was like, oh, that's, that's ah. strong. That's, <laughs> that's, that's strong. All right. Speaking of strong, one former MVP wants to make a comeback. The question is, should anybody want him? Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. And that is epic levels of shade from Joe Fortin Fraud. <laughs> you can check out Fortin Fraud with Amber on Amber's show. It's just the Amber Wilson show. That's it. 
That's all I have to say Amber about that. Amber does a great job, too. Uh, Amber's great. You know what? I might need to hire Amber as my counsel as this slander that's, continues that's my, to run from girl, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. I mean, uh, by the way, you gave me UConn. That's, that's a cool – It's called, that's called deflection, Joe. I don't know if, uh, if you've ever heard of this, but uh, I asked you a specific question. You said all of these teams could come in and surprise us, and then you told me about the NCAA. I'm asking you specifically what team's going <laughs> to surprise us in the N- NFL, and you come out with an NCAA metric? Oh, past performance is not indicative of future results, Joe. Show us what you got. Give me your futures, Joe Fortin Fraud. So, so we call him Joe Smoke. I mean, <laughs> great, Joe. You picked UConn. We, so did like half of everybody you, else Smoke. in Vegas. Yeah, tell me who else you picked, Joe Smoke. God. Can't even say bad things about him, though. I do. Uh, like, Joe's a delight. Uh, oh, I love Joe, too. Joe Fortin. But I got to have you back, Joe Smoke. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Yeah, see, see, Joe, you take on one of us, you take on two of us. And by the way, one of us on this show is an athlete. All right, and it's not me. It's not me. But let me tell you something. Uh, you you put anybody near me that I know can kick somebody's ass, and I will run my mouth. I am going to run my mouth. I'm telling you. Uh, check out Joe and Amber, by the way, from seven p.m. seven to nine p.m. Eastern. Actually, just check out Amber. Uh, whenever Joe's on, just turn the volume down. Maybe we'll fantastic. get fantastic. Fantastic. She is fantastic. Fantastic. She is a delight. She does of a, a great human. job on first take too. When she when she when she does it, and she, she does a wonderful job too. Yeah. She she. Is amazing. That's all I have to say about that. Hey, Evan, uh, should we get everybody a Masters update here on Fitz and Harry? Today, Evan. I mean, uh, we are having massive. Wait, issues wait, wait. Here We're having Augusta. some sound issues. Yes. So you know what? I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna go. Can you whistle? Can you know how to make a bird noise? All right, those are the birds in the background, and I'll go. Cool breeze, Evan. Give us the uh, update. Yeah. So. Victor Hovland, the ninth-ranked player in the world, has a two-shot lead over John Rahm, the third-ranked player in the world. Victor Hovland is at five under par. He had an eagle on two, and then birdies on six, eight, and nine. John Rahm, off to a rough start, doubled the first hole, but has bounced back with birdies on two and three, seven, and just now an eagle on eight. So watch out. Victor Hovland, John Rahm are... uh, Top of the litter book. <laughs> oh, man. We couldn't even know. hold it in. I was trying to whistle the entire time, and I, I couldn't the, stop laughing. The birds whistling and the wind <laughs> in the background giving the true feel of Augusta behind the sensual vocals of one Evan. Uh, absolutely delightfully done. We'll keep you updated on anything else that happens in the Masters. I can't promise the updates will get any more professional on that. In the meantime, uh, there is one, uh, there, there's one sort of NFL nugget that is out there that people are reacting to. We talked about it on first take, and it comes from Cam Newton. It's interesting because Cam uh, was doing his show, and in the process of talking, Cam talked about the fact that there are a list of quarterbacks he would be comfortable backing up. But as Sam Acho pointed out this morning, it was that is a part of a larger conversation, and that larger conversation includes Cam making it very clear he believes he can and should compete with several of the opportunities that are out there. I can't figure out. Why Cam thought this was the right way to tell everybody he wants to be in the league? Like it just feels to me like at some point the NFL is going to be like, uh, no thanks, uh, hard pass from us. Well, with the list as well of the of the quarterbacks that he wouldn't mind backing up, and Sam made a great point. Like if you're if you're willing to be a backup in this league, then you're willing to be a backup behind anybody, not just a list of players that you mentioned. But let's go through this list. Let's go through the list for a second, and I'm just going to name a few guys. When you look at Deshaun Watson, he was on the list. Him and Cam Newton have a a great relationship, and there are a few guys on the list that Cam Newton has a great relationship with. 
because of how long he's known these guys. You, I think it'll be a good fit sitting behind, you know, Deshaun Watson. Also, I'm a big fan of your backup quarterback being similar to your starting quarterback. So if the starter goes down, you don't have to alter your entire offensive system. I went through that with Matt Castle and Marcus Mariota. We had Mariota in Tennessee. Next thing you know, he gets hurt. We got to bring in Matt Castle. So now Very we, different we have to alter a lot of things, and we can't run the QB run game. Uh, you don't want to put Castle on the move as much as you put Mariota on the move. So you had to alter a lot of different things. Now you look at the Lexi on the list, you look at Lamar Jackson, I think it'll make sense as well because what, what's one of the things that the Baltimore Ravens have done in the past? Okay, we have Lamar Jackson as our quarterback. We got to have backups that kind of similar. RG3 used to be a backup to him. Tyler Huntley is a backup to him currently. I think that's feasible. Justin Fields, even though they have P.J. Walker, they have P.J. Walker as a backup quarterback, but you see the theme here. A guy that's similar to Justin Fields and can utilize his legs in a major way. Jalen Hurts is not going to happen. They signed Marcus Mariota. A guy that's right. similar to him. Similar to your point. Josh Allen could be possible because you look at Sean McDermott. He was there in Carolina with Cam Newton. He knows everything about Cam Newton and what he stands for. Sam Howell for the Washington Commanders, not a chance in hell. Even though Cam Newton has a great relationship with him. You don't want a young cat if you're saying he's going to be your starting quarterback moving forward, looking over his shoulder, especially when he's trying to get things off the ground in his first year as a starter. Yeah, that's a big part of it. I think you've got to be very cemented in the personality of your starter, the personality of your coach. Like, also, they have Jacoby Brissett. Right. It's just It feels like putting out this wish list is just a strange look, and not a lot of it makes a ton of sense. That being said, nobody wants to be stuck like the 49ers were last year. I understand the value Cam can have. In the meantime, coming up, big result last night in LA. The question is, are we talking about the wrong team from Los Angeles in the NBA making noise in the playoffs? Fitz and Harry. You've been listening to the Fitz and Harry podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to three Eastern on ESPN radio, and you can watch on the ESPN app.